0: Unlike any other created being, mankind struggles with both a human nature and a spiritual nature. The key to calming that struggle might surprise you. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah points out the differences between a fleshly mindset and a spiritual mindset as described by the Apostle Paul. From his series on Romans 8, here's David to introduce the spirit and the flesh.
1: Well, most of us who are Christians are aware of the fact that there's still a conflict in our hearts. Paul said it in Romans chapter 7. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. And then he kind of cries out in desperation. Um, We all know that. Paul's honest about it. And then he goes about helping us understand how this conflict should be waged, and how victory is available. We're going to begin a discussion of that today as we talk about the spirit and the flesh, Romans 8, 5 through 11. We're in the book of Romans, and we're in the eighth chapter. We have a study guide just for this chapter. Um, There are um, three weeks of teaching on the book of Romans here on Turning Point, and there are eight lessons in the study guide. These eight lessons take you through the 8th chapter of Romans. It's Romans 8, 8 chapters. And the the, the beautiful study guide is available. Uh, you can get it from Turning Point. If you go to our website, um, if you have our app, you can find this. It's, it's going to be right up front. And you can order the, the study guide right into your home. And if you're using it for a small group study, you can order as many copies as you want. And then you'll be ready to go forward and discuss this. I would suggest if you're the facilitator you get a set of uh, CDs so that you can listen to it uh, as you get ready to discuss it. You'll have a great time Romans eight is an amazing chapter and of course the greatest verse in the Bible is in the greatest chapter in the Bible Romans 8:28 We know all things work together for good. you know that one. We're going to spend a whole a whole message just on that one verse. But today, we're going to get into uh, Romans 8 and uh, the spirit and the flesh. That begins in verse 5. And just before we do that, one um, reminder that I need to make because we're running out of time for this event. The Caribbean Cruise Conference takes place December the 30th uh, through January the 8th. And it's an opportunity for you to join us as we end the old year together and begin the new year. We're going to have a great time. We're going to have great music. We're going to have great weather. We're going to visit great ports of call. Um, We're going to have wonderful days at sea. I can't think of anything that's more fun Then coming to the end of the year, most of us will be a little bit worn out from Christmas, and we just relax, and we look back over the year and give thanks to God for his blessings, and then we envision what God is going to do for us in 2022, and we have time to sit and think and write and talk, pray, listen to the Word of God, and worship. It's just a great thing, and I hope you'll come. You can get more information about it at our website. There's still room for you, but uh, the problem is the registration time is drawing close, so the month of November probably will be the last that we are able to talk about it because we won't be able to process it in time for you to join us. Thank you for listening to this announcement, but most of all, be motivated and do something about it. Join us at the end of the year. Okay, let's get started with this edition of Turning Point as we discuss the Spirit and the Flesh. It was June 12, 1979, and Brian Allen was making aviation history. He actually flew a pedal-powered plane across the English Channel. The amateur cyclist and pilot powered the Albatross to the rehearsed speed of 75 revolutions per minute and he took off from a point near Folkestone in England at the time the channel conditions and wind were ideal for the crossing problems began to affect the aircraft and Alan's radio failed for a while and he was only able to communicate with the accompanying boats by hand and head movements and his water supply ran out and he began to suffer from dehydration and from leg cramps from all that pedaling. With increasing headwinds, concern grew that the flight would have to be called off and the coast of France was still not in his view. An accompanying boat maneuvered in front of the albatross and was gonna hook onto the airplane and kind of pull it the rest of the way, but just before the hooking procedure, Alan flew a little higher and he found less turbulence and he continued to pedal the aircraft to see if he could complete the flight. With the help of a calming surface wind, Alan eventually landed on a beach in Cape Nez in France, totally exhausted. He had completed the 22.2-mile crossing, took him two hours and 49 minutes, achieving a top speed of 18 miles per hour and an average altitude of five feet. <laughs> now, the contrast between a pedal-powered airplane and a commercial jet which flies at an average speed of 500 miles per hour at an altitude of 35,000 feet is a little like the difference between life in the spirit and life in the flesh. I hope you listen carefully today because you don't want to spend the rest of your life pedaling your airplane five feet off the ground. (laughs) You want to learn how to soar and that's what God wants us all to do, to live in the power of the Holy Spirit And not just to survive, but to thrive. Romans 7, which comes before the chapter we're studying, is all about what happens when we try to live life ourselves. Interestingly enough, the whole chapter is full of words like I and me and my. And then you come to Romans chapter 8, and there's a huge change, because in Romans 8, those words kind of go away. And the Holy Spirit shows up in Romans chapter 8 19 times. And throughout the epistle, Paul has always relied on this little teaching thing he's going to do, contrast. For instance, some places he talks about Adam and Christ. Some places he talks about slavery and freedom. Some places he talks about death and life. But here in this chapter, he's going to talk about the difference between the flesh and the spirit. And he's going to teach us that how we respond to the Christian life With regard to these two things, the mental way that we go after this will determine everything about us as Christians going forward. Now let me read the first three verses of our text, which begins in verse five of chapter eight. And I wanna talk with you as I read these verses about the mind of the spirit in you. He said, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally or fleshly-minded is death, but to be spiritually-minded is life and peace, because the fleshly mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Four times in these verses, the Apostle Paul uses the word mind to contrast two different ways of thinking. It all starts in your mind, says Paul. Those who are of the flesh think about fleshly things, and those who are of the spirit think about things that please God. In the first few parts of this passage, he actually uses a term which is really interesting. He said, they set their minds it's a greek word that refers to the basic orientation of your whole system it's your bent in life it's your thought patterns of the mind i wrote down another word in the margin of my notes it's your grid it's how you open your mind up to things and that's a word we all understand because of computers it's the grid. it's how you look at things how you look at things is everything isn't it it's how you interpret them how you come at them what is your bent in life and paul says you need to set your grid on spiritual things so that you look at life through a lens that isn't just what's going on in the world around you. It is what we think about. It's our assumptions. It's our values. It's our desires. It's our goals. It's whether consciously or unconsciously, who we are, it is what we are most deeply interested in, what we constantly talk about. When you set your mind, that's what you're doing. Now, Paul is not simply saying that people are either fleshly or spiritual because of how they think. No, he is saying instead that people think about fleshly or spiritual things because of who they are. You get to make a choice. You get to set the grid. You get to determine the ramifications of how you're going to think about life and how you're going to go through life. This is the message that Jesus tried to give to Nicodemus one day. Remember when Jesus met Nicodemus, he said to Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. The fleshly mindset, according to this passage of scripture, doesn't mean that people who have that mindset are some sort of criminals or gross or vicious people. How many of you know the flesh can be very educated? The way you think about life, if you don't think about godly things, you can still be refined and cultured. I know a lot of really refined cultured people who wouldn't know Jesus from a swear word. But I want to help you understand what the word flesh means. It's not the skin that's hanging on your bones. I mean, that's a certain kind of flesh, but that's not what Paul's talking about. I found a little way to remember what the flesh is. And if I share this with you, it will probably help you remember and understand it. You have the word flesh, F-L-E-S-H. Take your pen and scratch out letter H. You got it? The letter H, let's say that stands for him. Now, spell the word backwards. And what does it spell? S-E-L-F. Flesh is yourself without him. Someone told me one time that your flesh is who you were before you got saved. That's a pretty good statement. You say, you mean it's possible for me as a Christian to go back and live my life the way I used to live before I got saved? Absolutely. And all of us have done it, have we not? So flesh isn't what's hanging on your bones. Flesh is self-centeredness. Flesh is living your life without God. You can be a Christian, listen to me, and a practical atheist. Did you know that? You can be a Christian and live your life and you're still a Christian, but you've put God over here. Maybe you've put him on a time warp and you're going to get to him when you get to be 80. (laughs) But you can be a Christian and not live like a Christian. You can be a Christian and live a self-centered, fleshly life. Flesh minus H, spelled backwards, is self. Donald Bailey has a picture of this that I think is very intriguing. He says that humanity is a circle facing God at the center. Listen to this. He said, in that circle, we ought to be standing, linked together with joined hands, facing toward the light at the center, which is God. And as we do that, we see our fellow creatures all around the circle in the light of that central love which shines on them and beautifies their faces. But he said, instead of that, some of us have each one turned our backs upon God and the circle of humanity and faced the other way so that we can see neither the light at the center nor the faces on the circumference. And indeed, in that position, it is difficult even to join hands with one another. You're in the circle, but you're going the wrong way. And Bailey says, therefore, instead of playing God's game, we play each one our own selfish little game each one of us wants to be the center and there is blind confusion not even any true knowledge of god or of our neighbors and that is what's wrong with us he said as christians if we're not careful we forget that this isn't about us we're to be centered on him the bible says center your life on things above not on things on this earth and the Bible tells us if we don't do that, certain things are true. Listen to what Peter says about this. Those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority are presumptuous, self-willed, and are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Paul adds this appraisal. They are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, and who set their mind Unearthly things. So let me ask you this. What is your grid? (laughs) You're a Christian. I'm going to assume you're all Christians. What is your grid? What is your thinking process? What lens are you looking through as you see life? The Bible says we're not to love the world or the things that are in the world. And if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, The pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Ultimately, Paul says in Romans 8, 6, that a dispossession that is controlled by the flesh not only leads to death, but is living in death even now. Now, he's not talking about physical death. He's saying the death of meaning in your life goes away when you forget what meaning is all about. When you turn your back on the circle and you forget who's in the center and then you don't see anybody around you and you lose contact with what life is all about, that's a kind of dying. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is the way of death. So the fleshly mindset is flesh minus H, spell backwards, itself. Oh, how easy it is for us, even as Christians, When we fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ because of what he's done for us on the cross and paid the penalty for our sin, and nothing more important to us in all the world when we first get saved but to love him and thank him, and then all of a sudden we get caught up in what's going on around us, and pretty soon we find ourselves turning around in the circle, and it's about us. Now, that's the first mindset, but notice Paul doesn't stay there very long. He goes on in Romans 8, to tell us about the spiritual mindset, and that's what I want to talk to you about because this is pretty exciting. He says in verses 5 and 6, but those who live according to the Spirit, in other words, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit, are spiritually minded and have life and peace. In other words, Christians should think differently. They dwell on the things of the Spirit. In verse 6, Paul zeroes in on two particular descriptions of the spiritually minded person. He says they're full of life and they're full of peace. Now, I know that some people think if you're really walking with the Lord and you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to be sort of sober and sad and, you know, not enjoying life. The Bible says if you have the Holy Spirit at the center and you're walking in the Spirit, you're full of life. The most exciting people I know are the people that I know are walking with the Lord and they're excited because every day's an adventure and you don't know what's going to happen next and you just can't wait to see what God's up to in your life because you're walking in the Spirit. The Christian is a person who's been made alive by God's Spirit, and because of that, spiritual matters now make sense to them. Before you became a Christian, you were dead in sin. Now you're alive to a whole new world of reality, and you're at peace with yourself as never before. That's one of the most commonly stated results of becoming a Christian. I found peace. I got rid of my guilt. I realize that God is not mad at me that God loves me and I've made peace with God and I'm on my way to There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Remember that? On more than one occasion Jesus described this life that I'm talking about on one occasion He said that he had come to give us this life and to give it to us more abundantly that's life And John 17, 3, in his high priestly prayer, Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Let me tell you something. When you walk in the Spirit, when you make your life as a Christian, what does God want when you turn yourself around so that you're in the circle looking at God? That's what it means to be alive. That's what it means to truly live. The Bible says... Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 14, 17 says this. What is the kingdom of God? What does it mean to be a Christian? The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You're a Christian, so you can't enjoy the things of the world because the Holy Spirit's going to make you miserable, right? And if you're a Christian and you're over here, you can't really fully devote yourself to Jesus Christ because you got all the world pulling at you over here. So what Paul is saying is when you get both feet on the same side of the fence, and you get your grid correct, and you begin to think spiritually about life, that doesn't mean that you don't have joy. This is what I would like to disabuse you of, that if you become a Christian, life isn't fun anymore. Life isn't worth anything anymore. Let me tell you this, if you are a Christian and you know you're going to heaven, and you know your sins are all forgiven, and you're not guilty before God, how can you not be full of joy? How can you not walk every day just excited to see what God's going to do next? Jesus says, when you get the Holy Spirit in your heart, we're going to talk about that in a moment, he brings peace. I've been ruminating in history a little bit these last days. I guess you do that when you hit these special birthdays thinking about life, and almost exactly at this particular time, 25 years ago, I was diagnosed with lymphoma, a type of cancer that at the time had a very poor survival rate. Shortly after my diagnosis, I went to the Mayo Clinic and I was operated on immediately. The surgery was called a laparotomy, and really what it was is they cut me open from stern to stern, like a fish. After my surgery, I was taken to another floor to recover. And I'll remember this like it happened yesterday. On this particular floor, the patient rooms were in a circle, and the nurse's station and desk for staff were in the middle. As soon as it was possible, the doctors told me that I should get up and try to walk. So, knowing this was an important part of my recovery, I pushed myself to do a full lap around the nurse's station Starting at my room and passing every other patient's room until my room came up again And then I went back in and got in bed My goal that first day was one lap. That's all I wanted one lap and that was pretty challenging and I was barely able to finish it. So the next day I decided I'm only two laps today My plan was to do one more each day and then I'd done the day before So I set out walking slowly around the circle by a strange coincidence the doctor who had performed my surgery was dictating his notes about me when I shuffled by his desk. All I remember hearing him say was, a pastor from California who has stage four large cell lymphoma cancer. Now, that might not seem important to you, but nobody had told me I had stage four cancer. I had cancer, but I didn't know I had stage four cancer. I wasn't even sure what that was, but I know it was worse than stage three. <laughs> Somehow, I completed those two laps, and got back to my room, and I remember sitting there feeling really scared and overwhelmed. But then, that feeling completely left me and was replaced by another I realized I'm not in control of my life. I told myself that. But the Spirit of God is in control of me. And a sense of what I can only describe as peace began to come over my heart. I'm gonna let God do his work and I'll do mine. My only thought was, well, tomorrow I'm doing three laps. I don't know what you're doing, God, but I'm doing three laps tomorrow, right? If things are bad on the outside, the Holy Spirit is in charge of the inside. He will give you peace. And the Bible says it's peace that passes all understanding. Isn't that true? And you know, you can't understand that unless you've been there and you can't tell somebody, oh, I've been where you've been. I know, no, you don't. You don't know what I've been through because you haven't been through what I've been through. And I don't know what you've been through, but I know this, when you go through something like that, that actually pulls at the very fabric of your life, if the Holy Spirit is in your heart and you're walking with the Lord, He will give you peace and it will be something like you can't even explain to someone else. And if you try to tell a non-Christian about it, they'll just look at you like you're weird. You know? So it's how you think about things. It's your mindset, it's setting your mind. I read this in a book that someone gave me by Max Lucado, and here's what he said. He said, you probably know this, but in case you don't, I'm so thrilled to give you the good news that you get to pick what you ponder. You didn't select your birthplace or your birth date. You didn't choose your parents or your siblings. You don't get to determine the weather or the amount of salt in the ocean. There are many things in life over which you have no choice, but the greatest activity of life is well within your dominion, you get to choose what you think about. (laughs) Mm. Amen. And you know, this lesson, the Spirit in the Flesh, is all about these two natures that vie for attention within us. And uh, as you know, we've talked about this a lot. The nurturing of the right nature is the whole ballgame. Which nature are you growing? Which are you feeding? Which are you supporting Um, One of the reasons we talk about spiritual disciplines and reading the Bible and praying and going to church and serving the Lord, that feeds your new nature. I could make a list of all the things that feed the old nature. You already know what those are. And we're going to talk about that some more. I hope you'll join us next time right here on Turning Point.
0: For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Romans 8, The Greatest Chapter in the Bible, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine turning points and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Romans, The Written Word Journal designed by David to help you know God's Word more deeply by writing the book of Romans in your own hand. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in your choice of handsome cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series Romans 8 here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible, drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. Fifty-five full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content, an extensive cross-reference system, and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at JeremiahStudyBible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca/jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca/jsb. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca, or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca.
1: When Jesus healed a blind man, the religious authorities questioned the man over and over. Finally, exasperated, he said, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? the man points out something we often overlook, the difference between hearing and listening. Now, hearing is a physical event, something that happens when sound waves hit our eardrums. But listening is a spiritual event, something that happens when we open our heart to what a person or God is saying to us. Hearing takes very little effort, but to really listen requires a choice, an act of the will. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how to listen to God on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.